tonight's uh, theme, theme, themed shows. Tonight's subject is going to be triggers, um, and it's going to sort of be the the more basic end of triggers, I guess, um, rather than getting too deep into the weeds of how to polish your sear and um, do modifications to your factory triggers, which I don't really want to be too responsible for in some ways. Although, um, I know plenty of people have played with their Ruger 1022 triggers. It's a good effect as well. So, um, you know, there is there is value in it. But yeah, triggers, uh, what do they do? Kind of how do they work? Why? How do we work them and what preferences we have? So, um, I thought starting right from the beginning, because it's sometimes easier easy to assume this stuff. I, I always joke when I'm doing the firearms license course, we go through all the parts of a gun and I ask everyone if they know what a trigger actually does and everyone nods. And then you ask them, well, do you know how a trigger works? Then not everyone nods. So um, real basics, real basics. So um, I don't know. You don't have a prepared spiel for this, do you, Graham, by any chance? No, okay, cool. All okay. right, so <laughs> I thought I'd better do some research, find some proper terms. Yeah. I'm yeah. like an improv guy. I'll, yeah, yeah. What and knowledge I'll have, I'll, I'll, I'll add in some go. stuff. Okay, you correct my my piss poor engineering terms or semi engineering terms. So I'm basically, not an, I'm not an engineer. no, I'm not saying you are an engineer. I'm not, but you might know some terms. You might know more terms than me. So, if we think about it, and and most of what we're going to be talking about is obviously in the context of a, um, a bolt action or a sort of a lever action. Um, what we're not specifically talking about is some of the semis. Um, or a fully auto, although I found something interesting today regarding a fully auto, which you might actually be able to throw something in on um, in a bit, Graham, because uh, I've seen photos of this particular firearm up on your page, I think. Anyway, um, so in regards to like a bolt action or most guns, if we actually go forward to the how a gun goes bang, is essentially we've got a, a bullet or a cartridge or whatever term you want to call it, on the back of that is a primer. When you hit the primer hard enough, it goes off, ignites powder, pressure builds up, projector goes down the barrel so to ignite that primer you're hitting it at the back essentially with a um a pin a firing pin so the firing pin sits in a tube when you cock your rifle that tube uh the pin inside it is um there's a spring in there that spring is pulled back and it's um held in place from going forward again immediately um but not a pin by a bar or a hold or i'm not actually sure of the exact term on the okay, Jeff, exactly on the term of this one um, and I'm sure a gunsmith can chime in and let me know, but basically it's held in place, it's stopped. And that then in turn is held in place by um, a mechanism, for lack of terms, called a, a sear, and then your trigger comes off that. So when you press the trigger, essentially you're letting that, um, that bolt go, which then flies forward, hits the primer, gun goes bang. Um, uh, there's more parts involved rather than that. But um, essentially that what is what we're doing is you're using that trigger to release that um, potential energy or stored energy to actually set a round off. So obviously it's kind of an important bit from a safety point of view because if it goes wrong, um, you have a negligent, accidental, negligent or mis you know, you have guns go off when you don't want them to. Um, but also the mechanism of a trigger is... Um, you know, it, it, it influences the shooting, influences the gun, influences where those bullets go. So, um, I, uh, 
the parts of a trigger i mean the the probably the bits we we want to be or we're interested in is the um the sear which is the bit uh that joins the trigger bit and the bit holding the piece up here and when that comes up that comes forward the sear um they work very differently if you actually look into trigger technology um a lot of triggers that are similar but these days you have moving rolling pins in them and um we don't see them much down here, but there's electronic systems and bits and pieces like that as well. So that's essentially what a trigger does. Now, um, the ideal trigger. What What is the ideal trigger? Has anyone got any theories, lads, or thoughts on what the, the perfect trigger might be or look like? Mm, good question. Again, it's going to be opinion-based, opinion and I assume we're Always. talking for a precision Type again. Uh, for me, it's going to be a two-stage. Um, I don't like particularly like triggers. I see too many issues with them um, and practical use, which we can touch on later. Which um, yep. But yeah, set, for me, maybe set around two and a half, three pound, um, which for a lot of people might be heavy. I can even go for four. I'll just get used to it. Um, but a clean break is important. It can be a little bit heavier, but it needs a clean break. You know, when you break through it and then um yeah that that'd be it um i guess that's what i guess what the question that was i was going for is yes a, a clean trigger that is repeatable that you yeah. can that you are in control of and does what you think it's going to do um we'll talk about one stage two stage set triggers double triggers which again we don't see much of but hey let's why not um yeah, I, I think the, the to me the ideal trigger is the one that just does what it needs to do and nothing more and nothing less and gets is not in the way. Yeah, Same way as the perfect trigger press, right? The trigger, the perfect trigger press is the trigger press that doesn't disturb the gun in any way whatsoever. It just makes the gun go bang, you know. Give it. I remember when people used to say, um, or oh, I guess people still do, um, oh, your trigger should surprise you. It really, really shouldn't. <laughs> Well, I, I describe, I explain it to people at stages, right? If you're sitting on a bench and you're zeroing a rifle and it's a gun, you know, you shoot maybe half a box or a box of ammo to set your gun up to zero your rifle and you're not maybe the most competent of shooters and you're setting it at a target and the target's not moving, you're not moving. Well, then in that situation is a real step one is the idea of a trigger that, that surprises you means you're hopefully not influencing it. But yeah, as soon as you want a round to or the gun to go off when you want it to go off, like there's a target moving or you're moving or the reticles or anything is moving or you're in the real world. No, the idea of a gun going off when I'm not in control of it is actually kind of scary. <laughs> it's going to go. It's going to go. It's going to go. Oh, there it went. Okay. How many times have you pulled the trigger or tried to pull the trigger and thought, oh, the safety's on? And then you went, oh, no, it's just a 1022. <laughs> Yeah, recently we've we've we're slowly working on a 1022 project here in the background from sort of base to trick is the idea. <clears throat> um God, that trigger is the worst trigger on a modern gun I've ever felt. It's so bad. Like you same thing you think the safety's on. You stop well yeah, safety's on or you come off it and go, something's not right. And you're like, no, no, you just need to keep on keep on pulling through, keep yeah. on pulling through. You can shoot it with like an average degree of accuracy, but you've really got to it feels like a mil spec trigger, basically. Yeah, but like a 
Russian mills people. So. <laughs> I, I see a lot of nice English and Swiss guns. You know, they've got nice triggers. But, but you yeah, get shivers. It's, it's like, yeah, it's made in Stalingrad, some of the bloody things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so go through some of the terminology because you hear a lot of terminology and even some terms, like how I get some of these terms wrong sometimes are interchangeable. But, um, you know, so we've been talking about the sear. We've been talking about a crisp trigger. So a crisp trigger is that exactly that. It's a trigger that just, that, that I've heard it described as like snapping an icicle. You know, you have your finger on the edge of an icicle, you press, 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 and then it just snaps. It's nice and clean. There's no, I was going to say there is a crunch, but it's, it's nice and clean. The opposite to that, so, so a, a crisp trigger is a good thing. A gritty trigger is the exact opposite. It's that, that feeling of it's kind of going and there's a little bit of sandpaper in there or dirt or something, and then eventually it just decides to go off. Um, a lot of older guns, some cheaper guns and stuff, you're just going to have triggers that will just do that. Uh, Take-up is... Um, it ties in... Again, this is the terminology is interesting because some people will say a lot of take-up is... You essentially have a lot of take-up and that's what makes a two-stage trigger sometimes a two-stage. In certain two-stages it works it that way as well or sub-triggers have so much creep in them which is you put your finger on the trigger and the trigger basically just sort of is sloppy or moves to the point where before it goes off and uh, occasionally if someone, one that's got too much in it that you think, oh, is this actually a two-stage? No, it's not. It's just so creepy and sloppy. Um, and then you have the break, which is the point where that trigger, the sear essentially releases, maybe not the right word, but comes off, the, the two surfaces come off each other, so that's when your trigger breaks and the gun generally goes through the process of firing, which relates to, relates to something called lock time, which people on the internet love to argue about this notion of when you press that trigger to the time the gun goes off, the delay between it. And um, I suppose if at one end you can think of the notion of like the flint locks, the old school guns where the tr you press the trigger and there is a lock, there is like a second or two that goes through before the whole mechanism goes through. And then a lot of modern firearms, they've got it below, you would tend to think, perceivable human ability to notice it. Um, but we still talk about follow through. And then on the other side of that, actually, in, in terms of follow through, is um, follow through in a trigger is once that that ra that trigger breaks and goes off, is how much further your finger can come back, which is almost like dead man's land or land that you know pushing it all the way back, further back from where the gun's actually broken. Um, then for a semi-automatic, if we then release, we've got another thing called reset, which is when it's going back into getting ready to fire again, which we don't worry about too much with the um, the the most of the precision rifles we deal with. Um, weight is obviously a big thing. How how heavy does that trigger feel, you know? Um, and you have, I don't know, what's what's a military, I don't re I don't really weigh my triggers, but what's a mil the weight on a military grade sort of trigger or a heavy trigger or the 1022s by standard? What's heavy? I'd be guessing around probably seven, eight pounds yeah, seven, eight for, pounds. A, for a service firearm because they need to be, yeah. I'm, I'm semi-uneducated, educated guess, you know, I've read a lot of stuff, I can't remember, but I'd say around seven or eight. Some stuff up to 12 or older, but yeah. they need to be thrown, bashed, used as hand weapons. Maybe not so much now, but in previous yeah. iterations. But yeah, uh, yeah, so it has to be much more drop-proof than a um, modern gun. And because you just got, like, random dudes and peasants using them rather than, like, marksmen, you know. Hammering them together in Balkan factories. Yeah, well, some of them are like getting hammered together, passed out the window. That's true. 
at the enemy in some True. battles. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, then what we're talking about, the weight of it is if you have a trigger and a gun, a most firearms are a lot lighter these days by, by comparison, but those triggers where you're just pushing and pushing and pushing and you're getting this little workout before that gun goes off, that's, that's the heavy heavy trigger and then the other side of it is you have those triggers which we will probably talk about more later on that seem to be so light on it that the moment that your finger touches the the shoe of that trigger the part that comes down the thing just goes off and that's the opposite um or beyond that point is when you bang the gun or drop the gun um the thing also goes off which can happen for people you know, lightening their guns up at home. My Remington 700, my stock Remington 700 did, did exactly that. You could lighten up so much, you'd then drop it on the butt, uh, empty gun, basically close the bolt, gently drop it on its butt on the um, on the floor and the gun would actually go off. So you're like, yeah, well, okay, I'll give that gun a good bump and that's going to fire on me. It's not particularly safe. So, um, yes. So, um, yeah, Types of triggers, the other thing we talk about, um, single, two-stage. So, ugh, Jeff's internet's failing him again, unsurprising. Mm. So, are you running, mainly running... It's just running, a camera, dude. It's just your camera? Oh, that's good, okay. We'll mm. leave and come back. Okay. Um, <laughs> the uh, single-stage, dual-stage. So, a single-stage is exactly that. Your finger goes on the trigger. You might have a little bit of take-up, and then it breaks... A two-stage has got that link longer stage, or that longer, well, yeah, first stage of take-up, where it comes longer take-up, and then you find what they call the wall, press a little bit harder, and gun goes bang. Um, what are you mostly running these days, Graham? Single stages, two stages, uh, dual stage? I've heard them called as well. Um, I'm trying to think what my ticket has. Um, but so for my two main match guns, I've got a, um, a Howa 6mm and a what was a Remington, sorry, a Bergara Remington footprint. Um, so the Remington footprint has a two single stage um, and then the Howa has a two stage and I just make sure I do a little bit of um, okay. like three or four dry fires before a match or the practice the day before. Yep. I don't have a huge amount of trouble. But if, if I was to buy a replacement trigger for the Bergara 6.5, I would get a two stage for it. Um, okay. That's just what I use more. Same on the 22s. Has it, has it always been the case? Like, I kind of developed a taste for two stages. Um, although, I'm saying that now, my, my Remington has got a Timney in it, which is back to a single stage. Is it just because you use a two stage more? Do you have a preference for one or the other? And why so? Uh, I like using that first stage to set. I, I don't know. I'm not saying. I, I set my finger maybe, and then, yep. I, it's, it's, then I know it's in that spot. It's in that sort of trigger break area. I guess you could be the same with a single stage, <clears throat> single stage. But I trouble is some guys run them that light, and then they inadvertently will send around down range. So I don't know. I just again more so because I shoot more two stages, and it's just what I've developed a preference for. Yeah, that, that'd be what it is. It's like it's like anything. You, you shoot it more, and you end up liking it. I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think if you shoot Millsurf or if you shoot Howers you end up getting pretty used to the two stage mm. and you can um you can run them pretty light um but you've still got that take up at the beginning so you mm. you know where you're going to rest every time you're not worried about just touching it and it goes off um not stupid light but i mean pretty light yeah i, I think it's the same i think it's the same thing for me is like i i 
would run i could run a single stage super light but the problem is yeah you don't have that feeling that you can actually like stage your finger onto the trigger get a good mesh up get it nice and comfortable in that same position and then when you really push on through you feel like I've the triggers and come across triggers so light so the moment you put your finger on there the thing goes off so whether it's your, your the tip of the fingers going on there you almost you almost have to ghost it off the front of the trigger and then touch it onto there which I suppose maybe that's a technique whereas with the two stage the same thing I learned this with the the TAC A1 is that yeah you can take it up and in the end I actually was more comfortable I was I was comfortable running a lighter second stage on a two stage if that makes sense because I already had my finger in place and I was able I had that point where I could take up pre-tension my finger and the muscles like pre-stage my finger onto it um and then when I went back off the TAC A1 back to the Remington, which was that single stage, I actually put some more weight back into it um, because it was the same thing. It was light, and I was like, well, that's too light for me now the way I like to actually mesh up my finger rather than the surprise break. I like to sit it on there and then intentionally when I'm ready, press and, and go through. So um, I don't know. It's it's I'm, I've been thinking about it recently because I've just got the Timney. It's there not the entry level, but it's the, uh, it, well, maybe it is the entry level. It's just the Timney trigger. There's the gold and there's the match. There's high level and diamond techs and everything. So there's there's nicer triggers out there, but I ponder whether I would go for a two stage or a single stage and just have a bit more weight because I've gone through that path of having light, light triggers and actually started putting a bit more weight into them, I think, as I've shot more, which is maybe ironic for some people to hear. I think a lot of people, when you first get, when you first get in long range, you get a boatload of bad advice from the internet or, or your friends who know just a little bit more than yourself. So um, you end up that thing. I've got to have a super light trigger, influence the gun less. And I, you've mentioned guys ghosting the trigger, having their finger just off. Thing I, I watched a competitor recently at a, at a match, and he started off with his finger to be like a mill away from the trigger, and then he'd tap it wouldn't follow through, but whatever. And then progressively through the stage, the, the gap from his trigger finger to his trigger got progressively bigger. And by like the seventh or eighth shot, he had like a five mil gap. And he'd time it. He's obviously wobbling a little bit. And then he missed the shot. <laughs> but yeah, it was just basic trigger control. But again, if you're not taught, you don't know. But um, again, I imagine what would have been an incredibly light trigger on that gun, I think. Um, it was a, a ticker, so you can lighten them up pretty yeah. light. You get you get sold this notion of the lighter the trigger, the better the shot, or the easier <clears> the shot, or the quicker you can get it off. And I, as I say to people, what it will let you do is it will let you mask little or no trigger technique, so you can get away with stuff. And I, I think the thing we need to be aware of if we're talking heavy guns, which some guys will have heavy guns on solid rests, and then a super light trigger somewhere in there we start talking about notion of free recoil as well but but we sort of we're almost drawing from a different discipline being bench rest or maybe f class where they're they're really set and they want the minimal interaction with their guns and it was something i found um i actually found it uh well i was looking for some stuff today which was the where is it uh a um hydraulic trigger release you guys ever seen those photos of those things where they basically strap a syringe on the side of their gun so they don't have to touch the things at all well and they just push the syringe and that pretty much yep yep and i i get i get the uh the notion of it 
Um, but we've just got to remember it's a very, very different discipline to what we're actually doing in the field, you know. I mean, mm. maybe one day the idea of a digital system where it's just a light button that you can just push, but I guess it's just that case of as long as you're able to do it repeatedly every single time, then we're okay. But like you say, if you're watching someone who starts this this close and ends up this close because as they get excited, he's probably in the back of it, he's probably also aware of how light that trigger is and feels he needs to stay further away from it just in case he accidentally bumps it. So it was there was a firearm released around the end of the Cold War. Oh, and then it's called the WA two thousand, made by H and K. Okay. Uh, and I believe has electric trigger. Um, end of Cold War sort of stuff. Um, you know, when H and K got right into this space gun era. Um, Remington had an electronic trigger as well for a while, didn't they? Yep, they did. Yeah, but yeah. being Remington, it was probably terrible. <laughs> Well, the Remington model, I found a Remington model 700 e-tron X centerfire target. I found an article on popular, popular mechanics. Yeah, knowing Remington, knowing the that my Remington was one of the ones that got recalled for the trigger, I would have been really, really nervous to put a electronic uh, trigger um, of theirs in the system. Um, but yeah, the WA-2000, yeah, that is definitely the space gun. I can't see any photos of the trigger. I'm not it, sure but... if it actually did have a electronic trigger. I may have lied to you. You may have. I have, I... but anyway, look up, look them up. They're cool. The WA two thousand three hundred one. I remember the name for some reason. It was a forgotten weapons and a um, in range TV video on them. There we go. Hundred and seventy two of them made. Only marginally less than Matt's gun that got uh, folded up and ground up. His <laughs> H and K, but anyway, we digress. So yeah. Um, you know, there's those systems there. Um, the other thing, which is a is a diversion from what we were probably using, which but if we're talking about electronics, is in the last couple of years you started hearing people talk about yeah electronic AR um, um, triggers and then the binary triggers, which fire once on pressing a trigger and once on release, um, which. I, I guess for a semi-automatic world to be useful, but it's the notion of me pressing the trigger and then having to release my trigger and knowing the gun needs to go off again would make me kind of nervous. But for double tapping, I suppose it would be, you know, it'd be a thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, the single stage, two stage, guys like to argue, or like everything in the internet, they argue about it a lot. I, I generally think that a, um, for me, yeah, that two stage lets me use a slightly lighter trigger, but set my trigger up. Um, or my trigger finger up a little bit better, but if I'm using a single stage, I just have a little bit more weight on there, and I can do the same thing. You know, my my Remington, my Timney, I can rest my finger on that trigger, and I have to deliberately press it. It's not, you know, I mean, if I got bumped with my fingers on the trigger, which would be stupid anyway, but it's you know, it's not going to surprise me. It's a deliberate press for it, and to me, that's been a good weight. You know, it's not why I'm missing targets at 600 meters when I'm hanging off the side of a tank trap. That's for sure. Not my trigger. <laughs> I'll blame it though, but that's fine. If Blair was around, he could write that on a list. That's it's because my trigger's too heavy again. That's why I missed that one. So um while we're talking about types of triggers, and uh, it's not necessarily again, you'll see it in the precision rifle world, but not necessarily our the competition side. Um have either of you guys got anything, any set triggers on your guns? Hunting rifles, them. maybe. I've used them quite a lot 
just because I inevitably play with a lot of different things. Mm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of set triggers. Um, a lot of them are quite weird. They'll have two triggers, and, and, and the rear one will set, and then the front one will um, will, will um, set the rifle off. So, but you end up a lot of them. I found with the models I've used, most of them have been they must have been Brunos or something. Um, yep. You have to because the front trigger is the the main trigger to set the rifle off. You have to reach quite far forward with your finger, and it's quite a sloppy trigger pull. Yeah, my opinion. Um, but they are. I guess that's one way of getting around having that terribly light trigger not terribly incredibly light trigger and having it kind of safe to carry um yeah so where you intend to fire set the rear trigger and then take the shot um so so now what we're talking about now is the set trigger is slightly different from because you get you get the older shotguns which had two triggers on them or a double barreled or a side by side you know um but essentially on a set trigger is that first or the front trigger by pulling, pressing, pulling, because it's normally in a weird angle, pulling that in, you're basically, well, it's not pre-cocking, but you're sort of, you're effectively making that second trigger press super light. Whereas if you don't do that, then the trigger on the rear is just like a, we'll call it a normal weight trigger, but you optionally can use that front trigger and then lighten that trigger up. So I guess it's it's pulling the sear off most of the way or getting it closer. Um, so, yeah. And... The only set trigger I've used is a slightly different mechanism where you push a single trigger and you push it forward with your finger. Mm. Yep. And then a little disengage your sear a little bit and then pull it back and it'll be a hair trigger type thing. Mouses or the sours, I think, some of um, those. I can't even remember. Yeah. I, I know some of those. I choose to use it. So. No, new, new, I had, I, I, maybe it's the sour that came through. And I guess it's like it, it's like anything though. If you have a rifle that does it, you need to practice and understand because the the issue I could see coming into place is if you set that trigger, now you've got a feather light, super super light trigger, and if you don't take that shot, you need to be very aware of how to get it back to a normal or to decock or whatever you need to do. Yeah. And like so many things with guns, the time to figure that out is not once you've got one up the spout. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which you know and i bet there'd be people who, that's the first time they'd really figured that out so great time dummy rounds dry firing let's figure out how your mechanism works um i think it was the same Actually, while you mention it yeah that's exactly the same for your safety like a lot of um like the new mouses and stuff and yep now they have three position safeties mm -hmm. but pe people don't actually know how they work which position does what what one they can open the bolt on what one they can only um, etc. And possibly even I'm guilty for this when I've got a demo gun is not playing around with that safety when the rifle is in a safe condition and actually learning that safety. I mean, it kind of applies to triggers in a way and, and you should never avoid talking about rifle safety as we know, but yeah, but just take that. It's like a minute to get familiar with it and potentially don't avoid fucking it up and um, setting off around when you don't intend to, or thinking you've got it because <clears throat> the three position which are really handy thinking you're on fire and you go and you pull the trigger and flinch and jerk the gun <laughs> am i shooting a 10 22 is it but i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. it's not but but you you, you, you yeah, yeah. target runs off you the deer or the goat or the possum or whatever um, yeah yeah and, and also knowing what your trigger feels like when the safety's on because it's been a couple of times where i've bumped my safety forward um when i've closed the bolt pull the trigger and nothing happens, pulling, 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 nothing happens. Um, and then you look at it, oh, yeah, safety's on. But if you know what that feels like, um, it's just 
you know, short circuit that thinking and get on target quicker. Mm. Well, it's it's that thing that yeah, I, the simple fact of putting your the opposite as well. Yeah, like you say, learning how your trigger feels for safety on, putting that safety on, trying it, testing your safety. That's another thing that people probably don't do in a safe environment. Check the thing actually works. Um, I know New Zealand developed a bit of a culture of, oh, well, we just don't use the safeties, you know, safety is non-reliable and I'm, I'm not going to go into my half-cock rant right now. I, I've done that enough already on the internet. Um, but then same people have never actually tested it or tried the trigger. It's like, have you tried your trigger? Have you tested it? Do you know if the thing works at all? Oh, I've never done it. Don't, don't. I'm like, well, come on, man. We're the, these guys are spending a lot of money. Modern guns put it in. Older guns, I'd definitely be trigger, checking it if you're thinking of using it for your safety as a safety. Um, but, yeah, safeties, you know, same thing. Safe trigger, a safe safety, safe trigger, you know. Um, Actually, while, while we're on the topic of safeties, and it applies to triggers again, but <clears throat> one thing you can do, so be an old firearm that you're trying to um, use for modern uses or just want to hunt with or a modern one that you have dicked around with a trigger, be it that it's an adjustable one, not one that you're modifying. Um, if you are playing around with the trigger weight or you've got the safety on on the old gun, whatever, so have the gun cocked, safety on, on or off, but whack the butt against your bench really hard, like hard, yeah. you're not going to break it and um, see, if, see if it's still on, see if it's still retaining the spring. Yeah. Obviously, this would be a safe, <clears throat> safe firearm, empty chamber, but... But just check it's not falling because a lot of guys will wind their um their, their spring weight <clears throat> the, the the weight on their trigger right back and um inadvertently as you said um, it can set itself off so that's a really well, good way to start. and even my yeah it was my timney will do that as well it doesn't stop you winding it out so to the point where it'll just not actually hold that bolt captive anymore so yeah and and don't do it once. Do it a couple of times. It would be my yeah. other thing. Give it a give it a couple of good knocks. Like you said, you're not going to damage this thing. We're not telling you to smash it against the side of the wall or anything. But drop the gun. Give it a good bang and just see. And if it if it if you do it ten times and it does it once, well, that's one time too many. Give it a little bit extra weight. It's just not worth the 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 potential of a gun going off when you don't want it to go off, especially if it's a hunting rifle, because hunting rifles take bangs, not, you know, and not when you expect them to, you stumble or whatever. And the gun maybe isn't in the state. It should be at that point in time, but it takes a bang. Well, you don't want the trigger, you know, the trigger to fail you, you know? Yeah. So. Another test I like to do is um, just running the bolt as hard as I can. Yep. Um, obviously, smacking the butt's going to do a lot more in that regard, but also just making sure that if you ran that bolt as hard as you could, it's not going to drop um, drop a cocking piece and, and let it round off. We've, I've seen it in a competition. Yeah. Uh, guide setters. Maybe been a set trigger. Anyway, we, as you close the bolt, it would it would ND. Okay. Yeah, we've seen it. Talk. We sort of happened and we sort of didn't know what happened. We didn't really pick up on it. We thought, like, what the fuck, you know, and then... Then it happened again a few minutes later, and he realised. Anyway, and he he actually um disqualified himself, but a few years back. But yeah, so it can happen. Did he disqualify? Did he call it himself, or did someone just call him out on it? I know uh, minor detail, but in, intrigued. He was he he was the uh, he was the squad arrow, <laughs> and he um. So we sort of we didn't we didn't really watch him closely. Yeah. Did he, did he mean to pull the trigger then? And then it happened again. He goes, "No, I didn't actually pull." Yeah. Okay. So he should have pulled himself out earlier. Actually, I've seen it happen in another competition. Anyway, yeah, it happens, um, yep. even on modern stuff. So, yep. 
well, hence, hence now that kind of standardized rule that's coming through that the bolts aren't getting closed until you're on target. You know, you're not, uh, yeah. you're not cycling the bolt, then moving with one up the spout. You're not, you're not ramming one into the the spout as you're getting down into position. It's down on position on target, and then that bolt closes. It shouldn't be an issue. But that's why these rules, if, if people are ever like, why are these guys so stickly or why why are they so anal about this shit? It's like, well, because yeah. it does happen. But then it goes down to where you're expecting it to and no harm, no foul, happy days, we carry on, you know? Yeah. Um, why is the safety briefing 30 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> we get there. <laughs> because you boys are dicking around with your triggers. Yeah. And that's fine. So then we're going to put you in parameters to keep everybody safe. And they do. And it works. So... Um, yeah, so it was, it was. oh, I will say it on here because why not? I was looking for some stats recently regarding issues at shooting competitions. You know what? It's really hard to find them because mm. there's nothing major has ever happened. But, you know, ND's different. I've got thing. some stats on civilian um, non, for our other thing we do, um, yep. non um, injuries for license holders too, I can send you. Yeah, so, so I, that's you know. No, no, but that's that's the thing. So anyway, so um, yeah, I mean, triggers come in heaps of different flavors and types. The other thing that's that's um, actually that no, I'll put it in here because there's something onerous which you might might know about, Graham, and you can confirm if this is a an actual thing. Um, on the MG34, yeah, that it can go open bolt and close bolt. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, the no, trigger, no, the double crescent trigger on the MG44, which enables slick fire capacity without the selector switch. So you press, it's a double segment, you press the top segment of it and it goes semi-automatic and you push the lower segment of the trigger and it goes into full fun mode. On a 34 or a 42? MG34 apparently, according so to Wikipedia. So I don't... A little bit more advanced, and not advanced. It's a more expensive version than the forty-two. The forty-two yeah. is cheaper to produce, although incredibly effective. I've yep. not shot. I've, I well, I was overseas. I shot a forty-two, but yep. I've not shot a thirty-four. I I think you may be correct. Um, well, look, it was I just something. Find out. <laughs> I I was just thinking, if you ever come across it through your, your, you know, through your your travels, it, it's an interesting concept. That no, I, yeah, no, I've got I've got access to one two photo. I've already done a heap of photographs with it, but um, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna look at photos now. Um, <laughs> you're looking at triggers what I, again. What I did mention, I cut off, um, sort of blabbed on about, but the FG42, which is a rifle built for the Falschmjäger, which is the um, German paratroopers. Yep. They had a. Um, it was like way too complicated, but it needed to be select fire at the time, shooting eight mil Mauser. Not that easy to do, and compact for a paratrooper. Um, but they had to fire automatic from the open bolt and then semi-automatic from a closed bolt which is quite interesting because it's the open bolt means the round the bolt strips around and as it closes the firing pin will hit the primer automatically and it'll open back up and mm -hmm. triggers released it'll, it'll catch and then obviously closed bolt is the concept that we all understand when the bolt is closed and then you you set it off but um so quite a cool thing just for those who are interested in that but was the theory there just being more accurate with the with the closed bolt? Yes, open bolt is very inaccurate. You know, we talk about lock time and mm, like yeah. influence and rifle less. You think about like a half pound of mass having to fly forward under spring tension and smack into the um, 
the barrel, you know, the round into the barrel and then go off. So Just before the round goes off. Pull up, yeah. up to extreme. <laughs> you lose, <laughs> your, lose your headphones. It's, yeah, yeah. It's I need to start a Patreon so I can fundraise for some new headphones. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so that's accuracy was the thing. Trouble was they were incredibly expensive to make, especially once the war carried on and um, things got a bit tight. But uh, so Kiwis, well, talk about Felschmjäger. Kiwis fought the uh, German Felschmjäger at the Battle of Crete. We lost the battle, but we decimated the Felschmjäger because they paratrooped over the island. They had a single point harness off the back, so they couldn't actually control themselves. And um, we proceeded to shoot about a third of them while they floated down. Um, and interestingly, not interesting, the killing of people, obviously, but they got that badly mauled, although they still beat us. Hitler never used the Falschmjäger in an airborne role again after that battle. Now, it wasn't just Kiwis, but it was majority Kiwis that took out the um, Falschmjäger, and the key, it was a Kiwi-run battle by General Freiburg. So, so in hindsight... Triggers in aerial combat with... Tr- triggers in single-point harnesses. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's interesting. If if oh, it's Battle of Creek, man, it's it's like again, it was a loss, but it was a an interesting one. History, history is knowledge. Knowledge is power. You know, it's how it works, and it leads us into some of the technology we've got these days as well. And every every stupid idea has been tried before. This is true. <laughs> Everything. Anyway. Don't worry, mate. We'll try again. <laughs> we we can do that way better. Yeah, we can. We definitely. Done, the result will be different. Communism. They just haven't done communism right. That's, we'll do it better. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So, triggers. So, the other the other part. So, uh, single stage, two stage, set trigger. I mean, for a, for a, from a competition world, and I, I just, we're expanding things out, so it's not everything from a competition world. It's anything precision, I guess. So, precision, yes, a set trigger will work. For a competition, I can see it being nothing other than a pain in the ass or something you just won't use. However... If, if you're entering a hunter class, for example, and your ticker or sow or your hunting gun has a set trigger, well, that's fine. You're just not really going to have time to use and set that trigger and actually use it. But it's fine anyway because, um, yeah, I'd pick for the hunting classes that, again, your set trigger or lack of it is not the reason that you miss that target. So, um, And then the other thing that's changed over the years as well has been blade design which is the, the actual, the, what most people would call the trigger trigger. The trigger is really, the, generally is the whole thing, but the blade, the bit we see on the end of it. And, um, you know, they they do come in all different shapes and sizes. Um, the two probably common ones is the, the curve, which is what most people know, but then this modern design started in the uh, CM and the precision rifles now, which are the flat ones. Um, you boys ever shot the flat shoes? I haven't. Blades? No. I've been curious as to what I'm going to sound like a boomer, but what do they bring to the table? So like, you're, like you're straight, know. straight curious, Graham. Right, like a like a 1911. <laughs> yeah, but that, the trouble is, the triggers on a hinge, so it inevitably can't go straight right. pivots. Yeah. But um, is that your finger? Oh, I don't know. Well, I just actually, I don't no, know. No. I can't figure. I, I think they do actually move backwards in the trigger housing. Probably not all of them, but the ones mm. I've seen do. I think that I think the notion was it's yeah more even pressure, and like I haven't used a lot of them as well because again in my head I I like the shoe because again what I do is if I if I gently index my finger it gets pushed down not pushed down but it gets guided down into the same place each time. My thought on a straight is that you could put it anywhere up or down if your finger wasn't mm. getting indexed exactly the same way each time. Yeah. And Especially you if you didn't up. have a. Pistol grip with like a yeah. thumb rest, 
which or you're in a hurry or all the other things the pressures yeah. that we have yeah. so i'm sure there's people out there who have them that swear by them i think they probably also tie into very light triggers because it's getting to the point where it's just a button rather than what we understand as a trigger yeah. it's just something we just need a surface to press on um and don't forget they look cool so they look true, they, they look they tactical look, as shit yeah hey, in they, fact hey, we don't know Let's well, the one article, the one article I read, they said at the end, the summary was, by the way, they also look pretty cool, and that's probably the majority reason people <laughs> use them. Which we've all played, we've all done that at some point. Yeah. Whether, you, whether you admit it or not, we've all done it. If I spend money on triggers, I'd probably try one. Hmm. To be honest, why do you think I've got this mustache? Mustache. It looks cool. It looks oh. cool. That's the only reason. That's know. not what I was going to say, but okay. <laughs> that's the after hours chat. <laughs> That's just for me and you. Uh, and all your OnlyFans, obviously. Yeah, what happens at the hut stays at the hut. Yep. <laughs> um, and then the other part of that is the width. So do you like a thinner or a wider blade, shoe? Just um, standard, whatever's standard. Yeah. <laughs> An oh, average, like average thickness, whatever that is. If you picked up a Halo or a Tiga, I like that. I tried yep. a Browning. Oh, was that the, at the bull shoe? Uh, oh yeah, Browning House Canyon. That felt a bit wide for me. Yep. Yeah, they've got that weird like brown and gold trigger. It's so cool. And let's be honest, it just looks tacky. Like God, you're not selling these things to seven year old men. Not the House Canyons anyway. But um, yeah, the brown and the Browning triggers. I'm I'm just gonna come out and say it. We've had a few. They're not particularly nice from factory. But you can Actually, get. You remember I um, um, old mate asked us to to try his his gun and see if it was zero properly, and I started pulling the trigger and I was like, oh, something's weird here. Ejected the round and did a dry fire. Um, yeah, it just felt so weird. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of those. Then they don't adjust nice. And But I have it. You can get uh, Yo Dave trigger spring kits. Yeah, I'm sure you But that's not the point of this side. podcast. But yeah, that, to be honest, biggest letdown on the modern Browning X-Bolts is the factory trigger. Other than that, accurate. Yeah, plenty of options on barrel length, barrel weight, fluting um, stocks options but their trigger is a bag of wieners um yeah i'm never going to get sponsored by browning now i've heard or they've changed their entire design philosophy because of your growing. well i am a big time social media influencer so influencer, probably, yeah. yeah yeah i had i had a random sorry for a diversion i had a random phone call recently and i really don't think he'd be listening into this so in a few years i apologize but a random call for a guy basically selling me an e-com. I don't even know what the product was. It was e-commerce. Do you want to increase the amount of e-commerce that you're selling? We've we've seen on your precision shooter site you have e-commerce. I'm like, have you looked at my site? Do you know what I'm actually, you know? He said, Oh, one, you know, what our system, what our system will do is guarantee it to get into local influencers and uh, uh authorities your product so people will be talking about it. I'm like, have you looked at my website? Do you know what it is that we're actually talking about or selling here? And eventually, after an interesting conversation, hopefully walked away with a little knowing a little bit more about guns in New Zealand. He's like, mm, yeah, no, maybe maybe it won't quite work for you. I'm like, no, I don't think it will. So, uh, but yeah, triggers the same thing. I, I, um, my old Browning X Bolt, which was my first hunting rifle, I think has got the standard trigger on it. The, the trigger itself has been worked a little bit because yes. The, the original Browning wasn't that exciting, but width-wise, it's your standard hunting trigger. My Timney actually has got a flatter, because you get flat and you get ones with slight curve on it as a flat um, uh, blade or a flat face on it, which I actually quite like. It, it's, it's about 
what are we going to call it, three quarters of a centimeter, you know, seven mil, something like that. I don't know, I haven't measured it, to be honest. But I tend to like that a little bit wider rather than the the, the, the thinner um, blades or shoes on them. Personal preference, again, I'm sure it's a it's a thing. So, I actually, one, some, but worth touching on, some factory guns have nicer triggers than others. I mentioned I'm not a huge fan of the Brownings. Older Remington 700s supposedly had nice adjustable triggers. The newer ones, albeit, I mean, it's gone tits up. Um, like I bought one of the long Remington 700 long ranges. Had the yep. Xmark Pro trigger. This is going to be the Cat's Meow. Huge recall on them. Um, although they never honoured mine. You know, long, long story. Um, that was terrible. Really terrible. Um, Tika's got nice triggers. Powers, if you like two-stage, you got a nice two-stage. Um yeah, obviously yeah, the um, the Bagaras, which are Remington, if Remington made things properly, um, they've got a nice single stage. So there are plenty of options. Um, for you shot the, shot the Savage with the is the Accu trigger much with the yes. it's not the it's not a two stage, but it's that safety mechanism that safety yeah. paddle thing. Which so there's a problem with these triggers, and I've played on Super done on a bunch of guns. If you how does it work? Before you pull the trigger, if you press the trigger sideways or something, it'll actually decock. Not as in slam the pin home, but um, mm. yeah, there's, if, if you apply sideways pressure on the trigger, it can decock them. I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember how exactly I was doing it, but I had a Savage Mark II 22 for a long time, and then the Valkyrie we did a lot of shooting with, that's a Savage 110. Good, yeah, trigger's nice, but this you can decock them, I find, if you mm. pull on sideways pressure. Um, yeah, same on uh, 301 mag we use up here. So, does it instantly decock, or does it sort of release something? And when you push yeah, push that paddle back, it slowly. I should have. Sh it's before you push the paddle back. Yeah. Yeah, it's. it's I, I, I should know more about it. I've forgotten, but there is a tiny issue with that trigger, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've set a few up. I don't. I actually don't see a huge amount of the savages. Which no, we not we saying just, yay nay in anything. Early days of, in the early days of long range. Yeah. Well, you know, this era of it. Um, I used to see a lot more, but I guess maybe some of the, the offerings aren't as back in the day. I think well, there's just not a huge amount of aftermarket support for them. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean MDT and that you get all the Oryx and ESSs and mm. all that in it. But I mean, like you say, yeah, I guess they do a lot of uh, the each manufacturer now has a setup that's ready to go for competition precision style yep. shooting. Yeah, they have several now with MDD chassis. I know they did a bunch with like a random chassis and then like a plastic butt stock, and they were still quite expensive. So I, I imagine that may have had something to do with the popularity of them. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, there's I'm, definitely I'm something made for them. It's just what's in stock. Yeah, but then again, they could be chicken and egg, right? Could be people stop using them, so people stop stocking stuff, or the other way around. Yeah, I they I'm, albeit all the savages I've shot have been accurate the mm. accuracy has never been an issue it's um mm. it's usually the magazine has been the letdown for me on most savages the um the factory sort of internal detachable mag detachable internal mag um have been kind of horrendous in a lot of cases uh with the savage mark ii it fed well but the feed lips where it would lock in wear out wear out and so you'd end up yeah. having to replace mags once a year, um, things like that. But now, so I know some of their options now come with um, Savage branded MDT chassis, 
that they just yep. obviously direct. Mm -hmm. um, so then that's just going to take an AI pattern mag. So that solves majority of the issues in my opinion. Um, mm. Yeah. So the savage trigger that you were describing before, is that um, the paddle, is that in the middle, like a blade in the middle of the trigger? Accu trigger, yeah, savage accu trigger. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's a good, good um, idea. It's, it's a safety. It's, yeah. I had the same in my, in a Mossberg, I think they call it a lightning something or other, or well, whatever. Um, to be honest, I didn't even really notice it was there. It just, yeah, just kind of take it up. It's so light. Has anybody had a Mossberg that's all right, rifle-wise? I've, I've, I like their shotguns, but some of the rifles I've seen haven't been the best. No, uh, horrendous. Yeah, so if the importer of Mossberg is listening to this prestigious show, weekly show we do, if you've got some that work, I'll plow them for you, but I'll be honest if they shit. <laughs> 30865 cream more, whatever. How, how bad my Mossberg was, I rebarreled it with the Remington barrel. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the pig slayer. That's the right. Pig slayer, mate. Yeah, we yeah, it was pretty close. So I don't anyway. That's the jeepest that's not for internet that hunting. It's a bit mm. bit, bit uh viscous. You know. Um yeah, so Mossberg. And to be honest, I see they do a model with an LSS chassis. So again, a rebranded MDT. Yep because MDT are obviously massive now. Um, but they're expensive, and it's, it's the LSS Gen 1, the real short one, like I've got in my 22, and on the 6555 project. So, like, probably the least desirable MDT chassis. And I think they've got a plastic butt stock, and they're, they're like $2,500, and you're like, well... Yeah. Is that know, just the, the Patriot and the chassis? I think so, yeah. yeah. I've seen a few of them, and they... They seem to pop back up for resale and never they just sit on trade me. Um, you know, some poor bugger getting into it's bought one because he's yeah. like, man, this looks sick. And then um I don't know. The Mossbergs, it's not really meant to be a slag Mossberg day, but all the ones I've the way I describe them would be agricultural. You know. Yeah. So targeted for that close range um whitetail hunting out of tree stands in Tennessee yep. or something. Yeah. I'm sure they shoot all good. So, have you got a goes gun? Our Mossberg sponsorship. There yeah. goes. Okay, we're slowly ticking yeah, them off. All the farmers. You, you just compared them to Mossbergs. Jeez, agricultural. <laughs> but but on the flip side, I had a guy when I was at Gun City. A guy came in once, and he was just after a cheap gun, and he's he's like, "What do you think of it? Like, it's a cheap gun. How's it feel?" He goes, "Well, I'm a tractor. I'm like, are you okay with that?" He's like, "Yep." I'm like, "Sweet ass," because it was just gonna it was gonna get kicked about, and it was. It was all but going to sit on the back of the tractor while he was going around in case he needed it. It was like a truck gun was basically mm. the concept. I'm like, fine. Be like honest, so many for things. the average, sorry, the average Kiwi hunter shooting inside 100 metres in the bush. Mm. We're not we're not getting a sponsorship back at any point. We can't really cover um, it. I, wanna, I, want, I want, want Mossberg sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. I just looked them up. They've got, a, they've got a precision side of their website. <laughs> Ooh, what's this thing? Oh, crap. BB precision. Oh, Jesus. Um. <laughs> Looking thing. So uh I don't know, best trigger you've ever felt on a on a factory gun? Oh, Jesus, now I've said this, I've got to think about an answer for it as well. I've got an answer straight away. Yeah, what's that? It's an <laughs> it's like a night it's a gun that's nearly hundred years old. It's an IG eleven, it's a Swiss um <laughs> sort of military precision target rifle. Yeah. Um absolutely beautiful for a factory gun. They were made for um target shooters, but yep. The military side of things, civilian, whatever. Unbelievable. Iron sights. Uh, for those of us into military guns, this thing's just... Or, Jeff, you when they release you from the prison that is Auckland, no doubt yeah. Jeff will be coming down here for a visit and you're going to plan it. But, man, but as for modern guns, 
I'm going to come out, even though like I get a lot of support from Howard, the, as a factory trigger with no fucking about, Tika. It's hard to beat a Tika trigger from factory. Um, just for like everyday precision or hunting, that'd be my pick. Yeah. What about you, Jeffrey? Um, I, I would say if I pulled it out of the box and I wasn't going to even take it out of the stock, um, Tika. Yep. If I'm competent enough to use an Allen key, um, I would say Howa. Um, yep. Just because I like the two stage. Um, and I think <coughs> Howa Dealer. Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, what, what's on your hat? Either of those triggers, I'd be more than happy to, to get to a point where, where I like them shooting. Um, yeah. I shoot uh, Tika on my 22 and my main hunting rifle. And how I've got a few competition rifles, like both the triggers, never replaced any of them. Yeah. I, I think it's almost the opposite for most most modern rifles these days. They all have an acceptable trigger. And if we're talking hunting levels and shit, stop oh, worrying about your trigger. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not the issue anymore. But yeah, certain ones. I don't know. It does. Can anyone confirm? Are the Sarkos and the Tickers the same triggers? Because I, I don't know if it's the voodoo of picking up a Sarko, but I always to find the sarcos there's something maybe it's the bot maybe it's the whole package i don't know but but yeah same thing took a sarco those european yeah. triggers just yeah. um actually speaking of europeans the mauser trigger was a mauser yeah too. the mauser m18s wicked yep. trigger yep um, actually true hey, i'm just on y'all do it 65 prc you'll love it um mossberg stepping up the game here i'm on their website we've got <laughs> We've got a one with an exasperable cheek rest. We've got their precision rifle, which looks like is it the what was that first MDT chassis? Tac twenty one. It looks like a rip off of that. Oh yeah, mixed with an RPR maybe. I don't know. Shit. Um, yeah, they're coming in hot, boys. We're gonna we're gonna get that sponsorship. <laughs> Mossberg precision rifle twenty twenty two. Let's do it. Um. What do you reckon? Do you, are you on the websites? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're doing the MVP. The MVP. You go MVP series on the left-hand model. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. The and the, the MVP precision. What is that? Is that like Mossberg varmint precision or something? Very, very Mossberg, very precision. Very. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the one, <laughs> Unfortunately for me in a, in a sales role in my day job, I just think minimum viable product. <laughs> That's, to be honest, <laughs> I don't dislike the scope, the, but the, the advertising has got a Vortex Viper GST PST Gen 1 on it. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I've got one that works really well still, one that didn't mm. break. Although my first one literally broke when I took it out of the box. Oh, sure. take, take that for what you will, but yeah. Uh, it's in keeping with the flavour of the gun or the look of the whole gun, really. So <laughs> Yeah, it's very 2017. Um, anyway, this is uh, mostly audio podcast, so <laughs> me trying to explain it. That's all right. We've got we've got extra graphics going on in the background these days. We're getting yeah. we're getting fancy. It's, with it's, it. it's, it's, okay, I'm just going to come out and say it. It's like it's for a boomer who wants to like not be a boomer, but they're still a boomer. Mm. Oh, sure, good. I don't know. But, anyway, <clears throat> it's probably nineteen thousand dollars too. It's probably ninety thousand dollars and special Indian order in New Zealand as well. <sighs> but we we talk we talk a specific world. So yeah, triggers. I mean, um, you know, it's one of those things that people love to get into it and, and get into it, you know, deep. 
Um, have you got any thoughts for aftermarket triggers, like specific brands that you're familiar with, or have you generally found like, I oh, know both of you, you have a lot of hours, shoot a lot of hours. For most of those, are you just adjusting them, tightening them up, and you're good to go? You're not really thinking you're swapping them out at all? Yeah, just adjusting them. I, I will be, I shoot, I again play with a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Um, kick around with some of the hardy guys, but some of those trigger techs, man, they're pretty nice. Same with the, obviously, Target Dynamics boys will run them. They are, they are pretty wicked nice. The, the trigger techs are interesting. I was, um, I've, I've used the Timneys and I've used the standard, I've used the Golds. And it's Calvin the Elite. The, yeah, the Calvin Elite. Is it the Diamond in the Timneys or is that the Trigger Tech? That's Trigger That's Trigger Tech Diamond. So, so I've used a few of those. They've been good. The Trigger Techs, the it's an interesting because the the instead of it being two surfaces with the sear, they've essentially got a roller in there as well. So there's a there's a captive rolling pin. I've probably butchered the description, but it's a slightly different mechanism, but. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty freaking nice triggers. So um, the challenge I have a lot of the time, I haven't checked with the Trigger Tech recently, is of course I'm left-handed and I still want to. Uh, they put the safeties on the opposite side. It's not a, a trigger, even though you think it could be, is not ambidextrous depending on how the safety works. So Timneys, you don't get all the options in a left-handed version, and neither with. Uh, I think you can get left-handed triggers in the um, Trigger Techs. Um, and then you occasionally you hear about the other. This is the other thing you hear about brands like Jewel, um, which is a by all my understanding is beautiful, beautiful triggers, um, Bentress guns, F class guns. Um, just be careful with some of them. I have still I still have heard a few stories of the Jewels are sort of the most likely to go down when you throw dust or crap at them. Um, yeah, I'm unmuted. That's right, yeah. and it's it's like so many things. Is if you get right on that bleeding edge of performance, when you get it into a field situation, you can sometimes have issues. And I have I have seen jewels that have basically started not functioning or not holding set, you know, um, because they get a bit of crap or water or stuff like that in them, and they have to pull them out and clean them before they get going again. Which on a bench is fine. It doesn't matter. And you want the the lightest, cleanest, crispest trigger humanly possible, but we're field shooting, so yeah. yeah, I guess that it's an interesting sort of thought though, because a lot of people compare our game to that game and they'll go, Oh, two eighty is the most bestest F class cartridge. Yeah. It's like cool, doesn't matter. Right. Because you don't yeah. really need to spot your shot. An electronic target does that for you, etc. You can't even really you can't see a hole in paper at a thousand meters. Yeah. Um. So it's a, di it's a different game. So, like you say, yeah, might be the best trigger. I, I'm assuming for that game, but as you said, is it going to work in the field? Maybe not. People for the first trouble. couple of stages. Oh, hey, it might be fine. It might be great. People yeah. run it and they have great success. But I know I don't really clean my trigger often. You know, so I'm not. I don't want to start checking. I know at least one. At least one shooter who comes on to the occasional um, Taranaki shoot or GPRE shoot uh, runs a, a jewel, and he, he does all right. But I don't know how often that competition rifle gets taken out. Yeah, also I guess something to think of too. Generally, Taranaki events are on um, pastoral farms, you know, vegetated yeah, sort of stuff. Dusty and yeah. Oh, you get the odd time of year, but nothing like I imagine what you get in the South Island or. Um, yeah, overseas or well, one, I know Australia they have a lot of trouble. Yeah, I know Aussie they have a lot of trouble, but then they got a lot of dust. 
yeah yeah I, I can't really speak to any experience really with aftermarket triggers like i said before i don't spend money on triggers i don't even spend money on trigger springs i tend to just cut things and <laughs> be agricultural as caring for it um <laughs> But, you know, not things that I would advise my customers to do with rifles that I sell them. Uh, <laughs> but I was debating our pre-preamble of certain conversations, people, listen, we have conversations before these events sometimes, and I was, I was starting debating having to put up, like, that big running disclaimer before yeah, anything. Disclaimer. So don't, don't do what Jeff says. Well, you know, hey. it's um, Yeah, but no, if I was to try an aftermarket trigger, actually, no, sorry, I've tried one as a bold trigger. I installed on a um, Mauser, small ring Mauser. Um, which I think it's basically like a cheap terminate. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah. 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 Um, but if I were to spend money on a trigger, um, trigger tech is, is what I would try just mm. because the amount of people who I trust and respect have tried it and said it's good and they won't use anything else in terms of reliability, performance, et cetera. And that's the route I'd go. Well, it seems to be they're the ones who, um, without going super crazy on how the things work, have made some simple improvements that are relative to what we actually do, you know. Um, uh, yeah, lighter if you want them, crisper if you want them. You can adjust just the take-up and I think the follow-through on the things as well. So, um, yes. You mentioned them putting rollers in um, certain areas to, to reduce friction and stuff. Another war fact with Graham. So the Germans, right? Back on the Germans. Mm -hmm. um, the MG42 is famous, which is replaced the 34 for an incredibly high rate of fire, but they yep. have roller bearings in it. So the bolt could just move that much faster due to having similar concept. Hmm. And same with all their tanks and everything. They had a heap of bearings in the turrets. So one of the main allied um, goals of bombing raids over industrial areas in, in Germany and occupied Europe was to bomb bearing factories with our manufacturing bearings because the Germans being so anal and everything having to be precise and running on bearings. So you just smash their bearing production capability. So, and, um, <laughs> they're like, what do we do? Um, <laughs> yeah. Was that, um, that roller delayed blowback? Is that the term? Or is that something else I'm thinking of? That's slightly different, but yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm MG just trying to, I'm just trying to think of a bomb going off in the middle of a bull bearing factory is just, <laughs> turn your old factory into shrapnel Jeez. yeah <laughs> yeah that's the other part of it anyway um yeah so the, that's the thing i mean there is there's i don't know it's it's what triggers are one of those things that doesn't seem to be like massive leaps and bounds you um, i say that was it um wasn't the morsing field there was a there's another guy who was doing a trigger over stateside that was it was claimed to be the most phenomenal thing since sliced bread. I'm trying to remember what the brand was, and it was sort of in the precision shooting realm. But I've never seen anything in New Zealand. I'm going to remember afterwards. But it, but again, small boutique boutique company, you know. So, um, oh, there we go. Dirk's just running he's got a diamond on a six mil and a jewel on another love a trigger check in the jewel have not had the jewel fail ever but not been in dusty conditions that's the thing i, I would I, we are not saying and i'm definitely not saying that a jewel is going to fail the moment it looks dusty or wet or anything but i certainly have heard throughout podcasts especially guys stateside where the guys are running a lot more of them that in the dusty environments and stuff they just they they can go down so Enough that there were guys carrying two of them. They're like, we love the trigger, but I just have to carry two and swap them over halfway through just to make sure the thing makes it through a day. 
I do say again, same like Snipers Hide podcast and, and, and the like, they carry um lighter fluid. Mm. They'll just spray lighter fluid in and it washes the trigger out. Um, the one's more prone to dust buildup. I will, one thing I will say, so again, Jeff and I predominantly shoot Howards in a competition, a centerfire competition. Um, we shot a match in Bulls, which was probably the worst match I've been to for debris getting into rifles. Um, first stage, I dropped my bolt in the sand. Good what start. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but um, a lot of guns went down that day, triggers, bolts even, in the sand, and um, we had no issues. Take that for what you will. Uh, again, we're semi-sort of sh- how are shills, but um, they didn't fail. Like Sloppy tolerances, all the sand just falls out from between all the parts. Yeah, yeah. I, I, which I jokingly say, but at the same time, I've seen Bernard's go down because they were such tight tolerances, so the moment yeah. they got wet, shit just didn't work and the guy's probably running at an extreme pressure as well and everything and it basically it was a misty day and his gun turned into a single shot because it wasn't extracting mm. and it's be- it was a beautiful gun super accurate how is could be the AKs of the precision <laughs> but it's an accurate I, AK <laughs> yeah exactly but I only probably a week or two ago got all of the dust and, and iron sand out of my hour Mm. Um, from that Bulls competition, which was in March or, or whatever. Hey, yeah. um, it's been running fine since. Yeah. yeah. No, lapping. They, You've been lapping lugs we, every time. Yeah. But iron sand. guns, the, the bolts actually seized up. Wow. And then like gold in the inside of the receiver and all sorts of things from that sand. It's just like reliable brands, like mm. big time, most popular brands in New Zealand just stopped working. Like, yeah, and um, uh, yeah, it was it was actually odd. It was again we shoot in normally pretty vegetated areas, but that just was so different to shoot in. It was like being on a beach almost. Um, mm. And it wasn't yeah. just like having to be careful how you handle your firearm when it was not being used, as in um, where you placed it and such. But the the your muzzle blasts were were running brakes. Jeff and I was just blowing shit everywhere, man. And um, so just just built up over a yeah. long day. Yeah. I think if um, if they host at that location again, what I will do is I'll take a can of compressed air um, to blow up the action every now and then. Not a silly idea. Yeah, mm. um, I'll just do exactly what I did last time. Um, drop, drop your bolt and sand at the beginning of the day. Just start <laughs> walking and just wipe it through this as yeah. you come. Oh in. yeah, because it ended up going all in the bolt and everything. I just drip it right to bits to clean it, but it yeah. still functions. Um, mm. Yeah. And, and I think we should say, I mean, it's not a slight on the event at all. It's a great event. Oh, no, no, no. No, it was cool. But um, it was to be honest, it's another disclaimer. We're just going to have to run. The lads are not yeah, actually yeah, slagging yeah. anything. It's just, just have a ticker tape at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably how you and I did well, Jeff, because our guns were the only ones that didn't break down. It could be it, but that's... Well, but damn that's... it, Graham. I thought I shot well. <laughs> I, do you know what's funny? So me and, me and Jeff shot together. Jeff beat me by a couple of hits. Jeff won the event. And... um. We didn't think we'd shot particularly well. Jeff counted the scores on the way back and said, oh, I think I've beat you, Graham. I was like, oh, damn it. You know, and then we got back and, oh, shit. <laughs> we didn't shoot that good, but everyone else shot worse is maybe how I'd put it. Um, we still made a lot of mistakes. But anyway, anyway that's really here or there at the moment. But, but I, I think that's another reason I like the, the, the field shooting because it's not just about having the most um, 
it, it, it's back to that practical term, right? It's got the guns actually have to run under different conditions. And if it's raining or drizzling, well, we're shooting in the rain or drizzle. If it's sandy, we're shooting in that. If there's bloody sheep and cow shit everywhere, well, we're shooting in the, the shit and the cow. You got to deal with it. And I like that notion of verse verse just the pristine you know safe queen that goes from the the gun bag to the bench and then the bench back and yes it's super accurate but put it in the hills you know it was like the conversation we had about reticles or scopes last week you know about marking the actual scope or anything like that it's like yeah these guns are they're gonna get marked you know so yeah i had an interesting conversation once with a guy who was he'd bought a take one off me and a, a full a full setup and everything. And basically, he was trying to figure out, he was going to come down to the range. He's like, is the range covered? Because uh, this is going to sound stupid, but I don't want to really get it too... I don't want to get wet. I don't want to get the gun dirty. And I kind of, in the end, I was alluding to him. I was like, I, are you sure you want to be in the precision rifle game field shooting? Because I don't think it's maybe... Take a bench rest. Take up F class, a bench, something like that. But he bought a practical route, thinking he was going to get into field shooting. I'm like... I think you're going to find the first time you go out, there's going to get mud and crap over everything, and so it should, because otherwise you're not going to commit yourself to those positions you need to get into and actually shoot, you know? So, Well, I, I look at last year, um, Torada was sheep shit everywhere on one yeah. stage. It ended up on your pants, your hands, your guns. Yeah. I mean, it's just reconstituted grass, and it? it's not the end of the world, but people people get all scared of it, but it ends up on your gun. It's, yeah. I mean, cow, cow, cow shit, crap, poo, whatever. Is quite corrosive on surfaces, like um, especially polished stuff, you know. So you got to you wipe it off. At the end of the day, don't leave it on there. But it's yeah, just clean it. It's, like I said, it's a, it's a it field. In. Rub it in your patina. The field, the firearms for field use in the yeah. game we play. Um, my setup, you know, it's a reasonably expensive setup, and it's scratched and dinged, and because I'm not, I'm not going to go real slow when I'm running out of time in a stage just to protect like the finish on my chassis. I'm just going to. Put it on there and start running it, you know. So, yeah. Actually, I, I look at my scope now and I go, "Oh yeah, that's a bit of blue. That must be from Simon's tank trap." That's right. actually, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's just is what it is, eh? Um, but again, I'm not saying if you have like a carbon fiber blaster, maybe you don't want to scratch it up. That's fine. No, but maybe, maybe not the firearm for the game. Yeah. 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 Well, we we the, I still remember last, which was years ago. Now we did the twenty two shoot, and guys had their twenty two comp rifles and stuff with all the nice wooden stocks, the laminate stocks, and you know, banging worried about banging them up on the barricade. And they said themselves, they're like, we've realised that we these guns are not the guns we should be bringing out because we don't want to ding these up. So we're going to go get a chassis or something else, which is, is probably no cheaper. But they just from the get go go right. This is this is going to take some bangs and some bits and pieces. Yeah. But it hurts a little bit to, to like ding up a nice figured walnut stock. Well, that's. Yes, so hence wrong gun. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, whereas there is maybe something about a chassis. As long as you're not too precious, you kind of they're they're a bit more utilitarian in their their yeah. nature that you're like, yeah, this is this is why I've bought this. This is what I've set it up for, mm. and let's go get some bangs on it so it doesn't look so shiny and new. It's the opposite. Yeah. You almost don't want it looking so shiny and new. We had Except a hunting as well. I had a uh, I have a mate um, who's just started getting into into comps, um, twenty two comps, but he had a really nice addition. Of a CZ, yeah, and he ended up selling it because he only took it out twice, and then it just never left the safe because he didn't want to scratch the damn thing. Um, I think he got a sandwich or something after that, but yeah, it's um, yeah, get, get something that you want to use. We had a 
stage this weekend gone. Um, it was a pile of pine tree cuttings, so little <laughs> sticks and limbs poking off it everywhere. Like it's yeah. just you had to be you had to be quite conscious of how you moved around it. Um, like you weren't going to get injured, but you could get a little bit scratched. Or the same thing for your rifle. You had to move if you didn't want to scratch your gun. You just had to be quite careful around it because it's a it's essentially like a big hedgehog of sticks. Mm. Um, great prop because it was hard and people didn't like it, which means it was perfect. But it's um, yeah, it's, it's a pile of sticks, man. You know what are you going to do? It's, you just got to get on with it. And I mean, you can be real careful to use your um barricade bag or whatever to protect it. But one of the limbs, you know, I set them on quite a steep angle, so <clears throat> you can sort of hold your bag in position. But what I find is half your rifle ends up sitting against the log yeah. anyway. So and I mean. Not an issue with two two recall, but with a thinner fire, it's going to recall back and and just scratch and um, carry on. But but again, I have seen Jeff. You might you might have been gone at the RTD in in February. A guy had like a twenty thousand dollar blazer there, like like a gold inlaid engraved oh, fancy timber. Cool. Yeah, like real okay. bizarre. I was like, yeah, not they're not okay. They're not my flavor of guns, especially the flat, the fancy ones. I like the tactical ones, but. Yeah, and he but he was just hammering it over stuff. He didn't give a hoot what he was. He was just <laughs> treating it like a field gun, sure. and I was kind of like, "No respect is your money." I, yeah, yeah, that's it. I was gonna. Well, I was gonna say when you first said blazers, like you see, um, THLR Thomas's blazers where he's done his rattle can paint jobs and everything on them. You're like, "Well, yeah, that's all right." But yeah, I could wood and inlaid and hand cut, but I don't know. You want to chuck mud tires on your Lamborghini and take it out? By all means. I've seen some horrific but fun-looking Lamborghinis that do exactly that. So, you know, shit, I'd give it a whirl. <laughs> Wouldn't own it, but I'd give it a whirl. All right, so um, anything else on the triggers? I mean, it's one of those things I, you know, there's only so much I think you we really need to talk about it. I, again, one thing I would like and hope we get across with this is I would stress, guys, to not just get a gun and try and put the lightest trigger humanly possible on it uh, before you've even shot the thing um, shoot it maybe factory see how that is then work on getting the thing lightened and do it progressively or upgrade it you know and just just work through it progressively mm -hmm. which is not not even a technology thing it's just a, a, the light of a trigger does not automatically equate to a better shooter I've seen it more happen the opposite way uh, with guys who is a, is a good way to put it because there's A, there's finding the point that's good for you and good for your gun instead of going all the way to the extreme and then yep. developing some bad habits. And there's also, there's some points in changing your trigger depending on, on the method you're going through that are irreversible. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, progressively is the idea. Yeah. I'd reinforce what Kerry said is, I'd learned to shoot before I learned, started worrying too much about my trigger. If it broke mm -hmm. clean and it was four pounds, I'd personally leave it alone if I was getting into it again. Um, yeah, because it, it can it can mask other issues you're having. Mm. Um, we had, a, I've talked about it before, but two negligent discharges at a recent event. Again, they were aiming at the target, so it wasn't the, um, the other redundancies prevented it being a serious incident, but trigger super light come down quick on the bolt and as thus putting their finger into the trigger guard touching their single stage trigger and sending around mm. range. now again because of our previously discussed um, methods of 
shooting went okay. They still got um, stage DQs, um, but yeah, um, in another situation that could end a lot worse than just a stage DQ. It could be um, a wounded animal. It could be a dead friend. So mm. um, learn to shoot. I wouldn't run triggers too light. Again, in, in our game, I'm talking about uh, mm. precision field shooting. Um, well, so it, it was something I learned with Attack O One because the even the factory trigger in that it's a two stage, but you can make the things so it will go lighter than the what most people know with the ticker trigger. They know with the ticker trigger you can lighten it out, and it's it it the bolt hits against the other bolt in there. There's only so far you can really go without being silly. The the Attack O One doesn't have that issue so much. You can lighten it up even further to the point where you can pull straight through the second stage on that two stage trigger and really not know it's there. And um, when I was shooting at heaps, uh, I had it very, very light. And then what I actually found is I didn't shoot it as much as I was. And then I went back to it and then found it too light. So then I actually put some more weight into the trigger. So that's the other thing is if, you, if you're going super light, but you're also sitting there heaps of dry firing, heaps of, you know, um, well, that's one thing as well. But yeah, just having a trigger light on that gun, you don't shoot all that much. I think it's a recipe for disaster, you know. And like I said, I've I've put more weight into most of my triggers as I've progressed. As as if you listen to a lot of guys overseas as well, a lot of the instructors and stuff. So have they. It's actually not a uncommon suggestion or thread that's coming through. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it's just not. Just a, another simple, easy precaution you can take. Especially, I mean, most of us don't buy a gun for the trigger it comes with. We buy a gun that suits our needs, and we make do with the trigger. Um, especially if you're shopping on a budget and you're 22 and your center fire and your comp gun probably all don't have the same trigger. Mm. So when you're taking your firearm out to do whatever you're going to do with it, you're going to go out for a hunt or you're going to shoot a comp, check it safe, dry fire it a couple of times just to be familiar with how that trigger feels. Because if I always shoot my 22 and then I go out to the center fire comp and it's completely different, I may just interact with that trigger differently. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. And same as if you're on a range or out with someone, your mate gives you his gun to have a few shots. Can I dry fire it a couple of times? You know, twenty old twenty two is different. Modern twenty twos, you can dry fire them. Really, you can. But um, you know, go through that process a few times. It's good. It's that whole yeah. Get to know. And I've had rifles with guys that handed me the rifle. Same thing. Dry fire because I'll do it first round, and you go click, and it's like that was a lot lighter than I thought. I did not think that trigger was going to... Oh, and, and then afterwards they're like, oh, it's a real light trigger, by the way. I'm like, yeah, thanks for letting me know. I heard it once on the range. It wasn't me because I would have turned around and probably said a few things to the lad, but the guy had... Um, he handed his rifle to somebody who lined it up and the gun went off and the guy's like, holy shit, that's a light trigger. And the guy's like, yeah, I, I just don't tell people because I like to spook them when they, you know, I like to surprise people with it, how light it actually is and had a laugh. I'm like... Dude, man, it's a that's a dick move. That's how you have how we have issues, and if it was a new shooter, that's also how you um, traumatize somebody, basically, and they don't mm. have a good time shooting. So, um, yeah, be nice. Graham and I had the the opposite experience of that. Where um, you see my little green Enfield, um, the green meanie. Yeah, we're shooting yep. that shot for shot. We're like, oh, we'll do a standing shot at whatever distance that target was, and a close shot. And it went off before I meant to. I was, you know, still in my target zone. Yep. I was like, oh no, no, I'm gonna take another shot. That I didn't mean to let that one off. And Graham was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, no, it's a really light trigger. 
I gave it to Graham and he did the exact same thing. Yeah. Well, that's, but that's it. And I, I've, I've had even in comps where I've had a round go off slightly before, but I was basically settling into the same thing. We're in position because that's the only time we're closing our bolts and getting that finger near the trigger, but settling down into position and it goes off before then, you know, it went, I've had it where it's gone off before it still hit the target because you're that, you are that close or it's just gone off the left edge. Um, but yeah, it's, that's the thing. So yeah, back to the, the super light triggers where you can't even touch them or you breathe over and they go off. It's just like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I don't know. I, 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 I don't like them. I don't like them. Yeah, but like, like both of you guys have mentioned, that it's about pulling redundancies into the system, right? So we're pointing yeah. at the target, etc. And again, it's not why I'm missing targets because my, tar- my trigger is too heavy. So. No. <laughs> All right. Lads, anything else to add in regards to triggers? No, I think that covers about... We've, I'm surprised how much we've milked it, to be honest. Well, I know. I, I'm we've weighing up between... a bit about like being rough on your gun and about... Wibble. German bearing... Uh, bearing production. Guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Graham's bearing knowledge uh, thing. Yeah. So. That's the extent of it. Oh, I do a bit yeah. of mechanical engineering, but anyway... I, th- I think we're we're probably like a few seconds away from getting into Jeff's like home gunsmithing experience. That's all right, which we can yeah time the end. No, no, I said we'll get Sam on as well because I know. I, look, it's a different world of, and I know Matt as well. I know has played a lot for his ten twenty twos and polished them, and it's it is a different world. Um, and it's a valid world, and guys do it. And I'm not I'm not saying it, but it's I just wanted to do something basic for for guys because it, it rem- I get reminded regularly that it's very easy for us to go in full lingo and what we may even think that we're only beginners on this journey but there's also people who just are looking for basic basic info beyond that as well and you have a big conversation and they're like what was that first thing you said because that didn't make sense and nothing you've said after has made any more sense as well so um it's all good not all of us spend as much time scaring the internet for all this information and and knowledge um, no and, and there's there's a range there's there's a huge spectrum of skills and and desire to actually engage with the the diy aspect of of the system that you're putting together yeah so like one of the main things i do is, is sell void stocks and there are every now and then there'll be a guy who says can you install this stock for me whereas I and mean, you guys know it's, it's literally undoing a few screws talking him back up making sure the barrel channels you know straight and lined up and, and whatever it's, it's not a huge deal However, you know, people just might not be comfortable with that level of maintenance or getting involved in something mechanical that could ultimately be dangerous. So if you're not comfortable with mucking with the trigger, as much as I was joking before, don't touch the damn thing. Yeah, very true. When you intentionally point it down range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and also on the flip side as well, because people are like, oh, how, how easy it? Well, that same person can probably also uh, completely set up your entire backbone of your network and your server and talk about a whole pile of stuff that you've got absolutely no idea what they're going on about, but that's their knowledge base. And it's not, the like say, the mechanical thing. They're just like, no. And it's, it's probably even smarter for them not to have a go at it. You yeah, know? yeah. It's not necessarily a lack of skill. It's just no. it's what they want to or don't want to engage with. My uh, my seven year old helped me put the rifle in the KRG. I've got some photos of her talking that up. So awesome. Yeah, if it doesn't work, I'm going to blame the seven year old as well. So having a seven year old assemble my firearm on a, on a list of excuses somewhere. <laughs> it's it's probably good, eh? You got to got to use all of them. Um, 
Yep. So that's all cool. But and yeah, and other people at the same time, they yeah, they don't want to go down that path. They just want it. They want to go on their time limits. They want to go shoot. All right, lads. So um you, Graham, have done a recap for your recent 22 shoot on your podcast as well. So if guys want to check that out, um, they can Precision pop over and have a listen. Precision yep. Unloaded. On um, all the podcast places. How, I, I read it every time. How have you figured out your ranking that you're the, what, 17th most popular? Well, that was that was like eight months ago. <laughs> I got like there's some, some company that collects data and they... The, yeah, I'm the 17th most popular sports <laughs> podcast in New Zealand. I, I reckon I'll probably be like 15th now. I should chase that up. You should do, man. You could be you could be top 10. Top 10, mate. Top half. What a 17's got like a real um, sort of flair to it, you know. It's, well, it's not too braggy, but it's pretty damn good for New Zealand standards. So. Well, I don't I think I'm just probably there's not that many sports podcasts. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> the reality of it. Like if, yeah. Probably one to sixteen are all rugby cast as well. Yeah. For really, if we're in New Zealand, yeah, it's so. going to be hard to beat rugby. I'll beat soccer and stuff, but I'm, I'm not going to beat rugby. No, yeah. it's all good. So yeah, if you want to, you want to check that event coming out. Uh, or sorry, sorry, you want to check out a um, AAR for that. Check out uh, Graham's podcast. What's next? What's coming up next? I mean, assuming me and Jeff get out of lockdown because we we ain't got shit coming. Well, Tarata. Tarata, yeah. There's also a match in Rotorua at the Central North Island Gun Club. 6th of November. Yeah. The I'm 22 shoot. Trying to make that work. Um, I would like to go to that. Mm. Yep. Me and Mark will head over. Maybe Cat and shoot that. And then the weekend after is Tarata. So it'll be busy, busy. But yes. yes, mm. yes, yes. And the weekend before before the CNIGC shoot will be uh, Fata Fata Hamilton as hosting a thousand meter long range team shoot um i'm unaware of the format um i know it's electronic targets but teams slightly yep. differing distances so it's all i think it's all yeah. of the k i think it's all of the k yeah uh, it said something like i'm uh, making the numbers up like a thousand to a thousand and eighteen meters or, or something like that oh yeah so so i think okay. they, they must be moving you around yeah, so, all right what's what's my next dope just come up one click man oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Get the kestrel out, redo everything. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, no change. Cool. So it's not a normal jam, but hey, something. something I, I think got. it's got a bit of a like a some F passy kind of feel. Yeah, and it's got like some stuff from some exhibitors. I know. Say, I was talking to Carl yep. from Saber Tactical. Mm-hmm. I did pay for the shirt, so I didn't just give it given it to mention him. Um, <laughs> he's going to be there. Target Dynamics, Crack Med. Bunch of yeah, element optics, whole, whole heap. It, it's long oh, it's range. Element shoot coming and, up, are they? Oh, yeah, cool. and uh, long range shoot and expo. So yeah, bit of a, a mini expo of yeah, new and existing people in our sport. Are you going along, Jeff? If you're out of lockdown? Yep, yep. Cassie and I are both registered as a team. I'm Sweet, hoping cause... we can get out and I need to validate my two at four at uh, a thousand meters again. New scopes, etc. Are you allowed to have muzzle brakes at this event? Um, I did query. Um, they said, I mean, obviously this is a, a usual F-class club, so yeah. ask the question. And they said they will accommodate um, <laughs> muscle breaks, but I'm getting a thread for a suppressor. Graham would be proud of me. Yeah, good, as you should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, muscle. Yeah, I know. Um, if you uh, do make it along, your trophy should be there for Cass as well. Oh, okay. If, um, I won't be there, but someone will be in the <laughs> Anyway, um, 
Excellent. Really makes no sense to everyone listening. <laughs> That's all right. We'll sort of, well, there's other stuff to talk about after we go off live anyway. Yeah. Um, no, it's all good. All right, lads. Thank you very much for people listening in. Uh, again, uh, chaps listening in live, you've been very quiet in the comments today other than Dirk and Michael, which are two, two regulars. Thank you very much, lads, as always. Um, if you're listening in afterwards, yeah, hit us up. I'm going to. The plan is, uh, talking of F-Class and a few other things, is to get a few people in from some of the other disciplines of still precision rifle related, although there's one exception being pistol, um, just to cover off a couple of the other shooting sports as well. Um, I had a conversation with somebody today who was applying for a firearms license and they said, basically, I'm applying for a firearms license there's a question, why do I want a firearm? I'm like, well, for hunting and shooting sports use. And then I thought, well, let's maybe talk about some of the other shooting sports as well mm -hmm. on here and um, cover a bit of that stuff off. Maybe get the occasional different face on here because I'm sure everyone's well used to seeing our cherry faces. So it's all good. All right, so yeah, if you've got questions, if there's particular disciplines you'd like to learn a little bit more about or particular questions, hit us up and we can put something together and get some uh, experts, expert experts on as well to talk to us uh, internet influencers. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, thanks everyone listening for the Mossberg um, podcast. Next month we'll be giving away a Mossberg Patriot um, only if you're over 63 years old. Bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>